We often don't advocate for ourselves as much, which is why I think they've been so vocal about knowing who you are, knowing your journey, knowing what you want and going for it. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Could you please tell us where you're from, where you're currently located, and the name of your business? Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Sojourner. I am born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I currently am enrolled in grad school and in my second year of grad school in St. Louis, Missouri. And my business is a travel blog. I'm a writer. It's called Sojourneys. So it's a play on my name. Uh, And it's a travel blog that documents not only my travels, but how I balance all of it as a grad student and working and traveling and everything in between. <laughs> Literally everything in between. So, Mr. Jenner, you started with a bachelor's in psychology and Spanish and a minor in Wimber- well, women and gender studies. Then you went yeah. on to pursue your master's in social work, um, specifically international development and social entrepreneurship. Yes. You just got finished doing an internship in Berlin. I did. I got back last week. (laughs) (laughs) So you are out here. And while you're doing all of your studies, you have been traveling. You have kept your Instagram super popping. (laughs) Like All your photos are just so colorful. And you're going to all these different places. And you're blogging about your experience. So talk a little bit about that. How have you been able to to do it all? Ooh, girl, it's a lot. It takes a lot of planning. Um, I knew coming into my first year of grad school that I wanted to focus on grad school because it is a financial investment, <laughs> most definitely. So last year, I just wrote a bunch of blog posts and before school started and planned those out through midway through first semester when I had enough content. Uh, Then from there, it was planning a trip during my break because the good thing about school is that you get a month off during winter break. So I was saving up and working to figure out where I wanted to go. And that's how Mexico happened. And then Berlin happened because of school. So it's really about planning. Like I applied to go to Berlin this time last year almost, I started writing my application to my university to go. So it's taken a lot of planning, a lot of talking to people, doing, doing introductions, meeting with professors and just figuring out where I would best fit. And then from there, I've been able to fit grad school and travel and blogging all into one, which has been really like a blessing to be able to do. So I say planning is key financially planning. So eating at home, not going out to eat, all of the little things that go into saving money, especially as a student, have also been really helpful. Mm-hmm. You have, you come from a family of educators, correct? And yes. social workers. Okay. So I read something where you said that um, your family of teachers and so- social workers are community-driven And they Mm -hmm. encourage you to grow and empower folks. So so you've been able to lean on them in your experiences. Is that right? Yes, definitely. My family has been really supportive, my family and friends, because I've been going back and forth, traveling 
living abroad, coming back home. And that wouldn't be possible without my foundation and my support. So I'm really thankful that they have been encouraging me to just go out and explore and figure out what I want to do with my life. Uh, It's been very helpful. So have they been able to give you like a lot of insight in terms of telling you to talk to um, your professors, how to speak with them, um, giving you ideas for how you can fit in all the things that you're interested in, in, in your life right now? Yeah, they've been very vocal about me advocating for myself. And that's something we talk about a lot in social work too, but as social workers, which is a known as like a helping profession, we often don't advocate for ourselves as much, which is why I think they've been so vocal about knowing who you are, knowing your journey, knowing what you want and going for it are definitely things I got from them and going to them and asking them, you know, how should I approach this person? What, what are good questions to ask has also been really helpful. But even with that, they taught me how to be resourceful. So even if they don't have the answers for me, finding someone on campus who does uh, and connecting the dots that way as well. I love that. Being able to advocate for yourself and knowing how to do that is like a whole other skill set. So it's really it dope. To have- <laughs> yes. Because I don't even think we know a lot of times that we can ask these questions. Yeah, it's like you like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so to ask somebody if you don't know. I remember being in elementary school and my my teacher in, in fifth grade, I know the year because it was the first time someone said it's okay to ask questions because you know, we go through life not wanting to not know the answer, but it's like if you don't know it, just ask somebody. Mm-hmm. Somebody's bound to know something. And you never know where that conversation can lead. It can take you to St. Louis or Berlin. Um, (laughs) Happened to me. Um, Also, you just started working with the Creative Reaction Lab, which was was started by a Black woman who was affected by the Michael Brown tragedy that happened in Ferguson in 2014. It's been five years since that happened. Yeah, they just celebrated that a few a few weeks ago, August 9th, yeah. I believe. Yes. And so your role with them, you are doing, um, well, they do racial and gender equality education. And you're doing learning and education, associ- associ- uh, you are a learning and education associate with them, right? Yes. So what, what does that job entail? Yeah, so I had my second day today. Um, but I was drawn to it because they do primarily racial equity work, though they do talk about all of the other intersections with that. Uh, And for me, it entails a lot of, it's a mix. So it's more program evaluation, but also doing trainings and workshops. So they do something called equity-centered community uh, design, or ECCD for short, And it's a framework that talks about racial equity, but it talks about it from the person. So in conversations, when you're talking about race, people talk about it in this theoretical, not futuristic, but this very hypothetical thing as if it's not happening to people every single day. And if we all don't play a role in it somehow. So the framework really breaks down how we have different privileges and oppression and power structures and breaks that down into what can we do and how can we leverage our own networks and our own uh, power to help other people and to really be advocates and allies uh, in the struggle for racial, racial equity. So my position is doing a lot of the office type work, but also going out, I'll be doing some traveling in the U.S., with them this semester in addition to my studies. So doing the workshops, teaching the framework to other adults and people primarily, I believe their age group is like 26 and up. However, a key part of the framework is also including students and government officials and businessmen. So it's a little bit of everybody, but their target is normally professionals, higher education, those types of uh, areas. 
So a little bit of community, but mostly it's the corporate sector? It's not corporate. It's corporate nonprofit. They literally work Uh with all different types of organizations. I was learning about it today and I was fascinated at how many are like the breadth of of their clientele Mm -hmm. because there's the nonprofit part of the organization that is primarily that is youth based working with black and Latinx youth in St. Louis. And then this part that I'm working on, um, which they call the breadth of the breadth of the program is more of the workshops, the trainings, the evaluations from a more organizational level, whether that organization is a nonprofit or corporate or educational institution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How did you even find out about this organization? It just seems like the perfect fit for you. It is. I'm so excited to be working <laughs> with them. I've, I've been so excited the past two days, but I found them. We have a Facebook group for my university for our, like all the students who've gone through like the social work and public health and social policy programs. Mm-hmm. And my now supervisor posted in their last year, and I kept them in the back of my mind when I would have more time in my schedule. Mm-hmm. And I got more time in my schedule this semester. So I applied while I was in Berlin, actually. I interviewed and applied and she hired me uh, on the spot. So it's it's a really good fit. And I'm really excited to see what work we can do, not only talking about it nationally, but internationally, because this isn't like racial equity is not just a United States right. issue. It, it It functions maybe a little differently in other countries, but the the experiences are very similar. Yes. Man, that's really amazing. <laughs> she posted in in a group on Facebook and you you were like, hmm, keep my eye on this. And then like yes. it just worked out. Yes, I wrote it down and then when the time came, I'm like, let me see if they're if they're hiring and they were. So that's called manifestation. I believe in that. <laughs> yes. That's really, really exciting. So you just started with them. Um, how much longer do you have for your master's uh, program? I graduate in May 14th. I'm not counting the days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's May 14th, but I'm not really sure. But right, it's May no, 14th. No. <laughs> right, May 14th, maybe around 5 p.m. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I graduated in May and it's been great. I make fun of it. Uh, and it's had its ups and downs because it is grad school and it's I not mean. the easiest thing in the world. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, but May, May 14th is the exact date, but next May. <laughs> um, so you are not the only one in your family with a master's degree then? Uh, no, my stepdad has a master's degree and my dad. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I say that because, like, it's usually the women that. (laughs) No, no, my mom doesn't. She's actually she's actually a Lutheran minister, but her background is in theology and English and she works in urban agriculture. So she created her own path. She she was actually the inspiration for me just figuring out my own journey. Like my dad and stepdad are really helpful in talking to me about you know, what it's like to be in grad school and the ups and downs that come with that. But she was always the one she's like, yes, I fully, she's always encouraged me to do what I want and just create my own, my own lane in the ways that she did. So all of their influences definitely came together. Um, But yeah, my dads are the ones who had the master's degrees. That's really powerful. Having such access to these different experiences so you guys like talk talk then like you like talk 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 oh yeah we talk talk all the time even now that I'm in social work um, because my my stepdad works in youth development and workforce development back home and my dad just retired from teaching history and being an athletic director for 36 years so we had I didn't realize when I was younger the conversations we were having and how impactful they were Mm -hmm. until I went to college and was out and traveling and seeing the world. And I think our conversations and the bond with my parents um, got even deeper 
And so we talk about everything. Now, I just talked to my dad a few weeks ago about politics, which is hilarious, because if you would have told me that would be our conversation, you know, three or four years ago, I would have laughed at you. Uh, Why? Because it just, I, for one, didn't think I was a political person, but, you know, Mm. that changes as you you get older and you learn more about the world. Uh, But, yeah, it's just the way you build relationships with your parents, you never know where they're going to lead. And it's just amazing to me that I ended up doing work similar to what they do uh, and that we're able to have these conversations. So I'm, it's more about me being in amazement of how I'm able to talk to my parents and connect with them on, on these, on these different types of levels. I mean, I'm amazed too, if that counts for anything. (laughs) (laughs) Like you just hear, of course, the experiences are varied, but so many are not able to have those conversations because their parents can't see past their own pain and trauma. Yeah. They never got over it. And so it's really cool that you've been able to have these experiences. So you so you traveled as a young buck with your parents quite yes. a bit when you were small. Yes, because none of my parents are actually, well, my stepdad was born in Milwaukee, but his family migrated from Louisiana. Uh, So he has a lot of family down south, but my mom is from Pittsburgh and my dad is from St. Louis. So I, so we were always traveling (laughs) growing up to see family. I have family in Texas and we would go on well, Texas and Michigan and Pittsburgh and Chicago. And we would go on, you know, family vacations to Wisconsin Dells in the summertime, or we remember one summer we flew to Arizona, and even we were going to St. Louis a lot. So I was always on the road, and I was such accustomed to being on the road because we were always traveling for Thanksgiving or weekend trips or summer breaks. I see. And what about your brother? So you have a younger brother, Demetrius, and an older brother, Josiah. Do they embrace travel as a part of their paths as well? Yeah, so I actually have more. I have seven siblings, so those are like two. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I have a really big family. But um, but yeah, yeah, my brother, Josiah, actually just did his first international trip. He just got a passport. So I was really excited for him. He went to Canada for his job. He works for the WWE, which is a whole other, other story uh, that... I hope he tells one day of how he got there. But um, but yeah, he, he traveled for the first time outside the country. And then my younger brother hasn't traveled outside the country yet. But I'm trying to plan a family trip at some point oh, um, cool. to get us all back on the road together somehow um, internationally. Because we've, we've all traveled together in the U.S., but... Uh, but traveling abroad is not something I've actually done with any of my family members. So I'm trying to make that happen. Yeah, I'm trying to make that happen. So hopefully I can get everybody to get a passport. We're almost there, though. I know it's coming. I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> like you didn't have enough to do. But maybe that'll right. be like your graduation <laughs> thing. Right. <laughs> right. So that you could make sure everybody comes like hey i'm graduating and we're doing it in spain so you gotta come (laughs) (laughs) right so get your passport get get ready um you talk about your mom being your biggest supporter and your role model you you just talked about her also like carving path and showing you that you could carve your own path outside of education what has your relationship been like with her through the years, especially as you've been traveling a bit more? Yeah, it's so funny. Her and I always joke that I talk to her more when I'm outside the country than when I'm in the country. Uh, we're always, I call her all the time. Anytime I'm bored, twisting my hair at night, doing my hair, like watching whatever, I'll just call her randomly. So, Uh, We have a very close relationship, and I think as I get older, a lot of what she taught me when I was younger makes more sense, because I think when you're a young girl and you can't do other things that you see your friends doing, you think 
it's more about your parents' lack of trust in you, but it's really their lack of trust in like everybody else. Uh, and so a lot of the things that uh, she taught me, because she teaches rite of passage classes for primarily black girls. And so I went through all of those with friends in the neighborhood. And I think because of that, we've been able to cultivate a very close relationship now that I'm going, well, I'm a young adult and going, and I'm not getting younger, you know, I'm going to be a full grown adult, uh, you know, at some point and just having, <laughs> let, I, let me know, let me know when that happens. The full I know, adult. right? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal, you know, at some point, I'll be <laughs> uh, but going through all that and then traveling and coming home and talking to her about it has been really it's been really helpful because then even I learned stuff about my mom that I didn't even know. Like she went to Greece when she was 18, I think, and she went on her own and it was just a trip she did for herself. But I didn't know that, you know, as a kid. So I think because I'm traveling, because I'm experiencing and being very open about my experiences, it makes it easier, um, even more easier for us to be close. But we've, we've always been pretty close. Um, that hasn't that hasn't changed. It's just only grown stronger. Man, that's really wonderful. Is she the one who named you Sojourner? She is. She you is talk about the pressure of bearing <laughs> that thing. Oh my gosh! I was younger. Sojourner could see me now because it was a lot growing up. I I was a very shy kid not shy around people who weren't my family so anytime attendance would come around on the first day of school I dreaded it because there was always a Sojourner Truth joke or even like a Harriet Tubman joke or just something related to it I'm like I I remember telling my mom like why can't I just have like a regular name like why can't I just be you know regular whatever my mom was like because you're not regular (laughs) um so she yeah, yeah, she 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 made she she's the person who said, you know, a name, you know, a name means something. Like I wasn't just going to give you any name. You know, I wanted it to mean something. And so we actually have family in Battle Creek, Michigan where Sojourner Truth is buried. And I went there and the first time I think the first time I can remember I went in the 5th grade and I did this whole presentation on Sojourner Truth because I went to her gravesite. They have a huge statue of her in Battle Creek. And it was the first time that I think I really felt like the name was mine because when you're named after someone, you're, you're kind of in their shadow and you have to figure out who you are in the midst of, you know, the weight and the legacy that, of the name that you carry. So it took, a, it took a long time for me to fully accept the full weight of what it was because it is, it is a lot to bear uh, given her history um, as an abolitionist, as a woman's right activist who was born into slavery and changed her name because that was the name she chose for herself because uh, she was born Isabella Bonfrey. And knowing that history was, was very important to me, to my mom, because at some point I said I didn't really know. And so I spent a long time reading about her and getting to know her and her story. And it's been a real, it's been a blessing in disguise, I think, because now I can't imagine being anybody else, being named anything else, because now I'm traveling on top of the work that I do. Uh, there is a lot in a name, and I'm and I'm really thankful that I get to get to have the name Sojourner. That is so so fire. <laughs> that is so fire. It's like I don't know. I I do I do think it's really interesting how from when we are nonverbal being given these names that we just kind of grow into. Yeah. And they usually like end up fitting us just fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they fit perfectly. And I, I want my mom, how did you know? Right. Like, That's what I mean. No. But I mean, you do know, like if you spend any time around babies, like they come out with their own personalities already. <laughs> but it takes somebody, I don't know, to like watch unless I don't know. I don't know. Because sometimes mothers decide on the name or fathers decide on the name before the child is even born. Yeah. Like, that happened with with me because she read. So my mom used to go to Battle Creek. And if you've been to Battle Creek, there really isn't 
whole lot there. I normally <laughs> go for family reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when she was growing up, there really wasn't a whole lot to do for her. And so she, mm-hmm. uh, so she said she was bored one day. And then I believe it's my great aunt gave her the narrative of Shannon Truth or the autobiography. And she read it when she was, I guess, in like in middle school or something. And so that kind of stuck with her. And then she said when she had a child and if it was going to be a daughter, she was going to name her Sojourner. And so it all kind of worked out that way, too. And now you can't sit still. <laughs> right, right, right. I can't. I cannot. It's, it's, because it's I, the perfect name. I can't imagine like it's it's not just about your physical traveling, but the things you're doing in education, like... You just seem like a very evolved person. I was checking out like your feed and you talk about God being a black woman and you talk about abortion rights, Mm -hmm. um, margaritas (laughs) over marriage. It sounds like you are. (laughs) Yes. It sounds like you are working from a stable foundation and understanding who you are in this moment today. Like we never know who we're going to become, but like you are who you are right now. And that self-possession, it just seems very strong. Yes, it is. And I think that's, that goes back to my parents and not only them, but the people they surrounded me with growing up in the community they created for me in Milwaukee. I was really blessed to be surrounded by even more educators like outside of my family just in general having a really immersive education experience I went to art schools from kindergarten to eighth grade and so having that on top of the academics and then I went to a more internationally focused high school that valued people different cultures and backgrounds so it, it was them but it was also how intentional they were with me and my siblings and putting us in spaces where, you know, we could thrive and also had people who were invested in us to thrive and supported us in, in our journeys, even in the rockier points um, of them. But they were still there for us to to lean on and to have as support, which which definitely shapes who you are and who you become. And I see that more and more every day in the stuff that I do and how it reminds me of people who guided me along the way. Mm-hmm. Even in like your photography, like it, it definitely shows how self-empowered you are because like, I believe that a lot of people are, and there's no way to quantify this. <laughs> of course, it's not like research based, but they're shy. <laughs> they don't show themselves. They don't, give themselves an opportunity to be in the spotlight and you are in those photos and you are taking like these amazing colorful photos. You are wearing all the clothes you're in all the gorgeous places and you absolutely put yourself out there. And that's just like, it's so vibrant. It's so, it's so alive. Like it's really wonderful to check your feed out. I'm definitely going to link that in the show notes so people can can see how Sojourner's out here. (laughs) Thank you. It's so funny you say that because, and I have some photos I'm actually going to use at some point on my feed to, because I was not always this photogenic. (laughs) Um, I have some very embarrassing school photos that I've been trying to find a way to integrate because I think it it came with time and building self-confidence and how you mentioned having that inner self was really important. I think into how I showcase who I am now as I grow into my twenties and, you know, and so on. So, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a process like growing, evolving is a continuous process that I think has not always been the most fun thing, but it's definitely had its, had its rewards and benefits. And now I can combine all of that through travel, which is amazing. Oh yeah. Like the growth process is historically ugly like (laughs) it's uncomfortable it's hideous it's like it's so destabilizing so I guess yeah you're doing it right and in terms of like school photos like everybody has trashy school photos not everybody but like most people because they're like school photos like (laughs) Uh, you ain't see mine (laughs) it's just 
like usually they're mad early and there's so much pressure on the photo to come out nice man i had a wash press and curl that disappeared after recess yes like that happens like (laughs) absolutely happens uh school photography is often very very disrespectful when it comes to black hair so disrespectful. <laughs> totally disrespectful the lighting was off everything right. I, wish I, I wish i had known what i know now <laughs> like angles um so let me ask speaking of like your appearance how has it been in the academic space so you had like a lot of tools going into the academic space um as well as traveling i don't know if you found any similarities or not but being you being sojourner in your skin with your hair with your body type how has it been navigating these spaces yeah it's been it's been a definitely more of a transformative experience because of the way race is talked about in different countries also how hair is talked about in different countries and being black but speaking English but having you know Marley twist or afro you know is people are not used to seeing that uh and so one of the biggest things that I face as far as when it comes to traveling is the whole what part of Africa are you from question which I never got in the U.S. and I didn't know how to really respond to it when it first happened while I was living in Spain. And it's taken a few trips. And this primarily is for, is in a European context. So when I go to European countries, uh, this is where this normally happens. So just going through that and figuring out what that really means and what people are asking, but also knowing the history of colonization. It's like, that was a world thing. Like That wasn't just you know, people ended up only in Africa or left, you know, went only back to the Caribbean. There were people, there are Black people everywhere. So I think walking in these spaces as a Black person has, one, shown me that we are not a monolith. Like, there are so many different types of Black people all around the world. You know, we all have similar struggles, but we also have our differences, Uh, So acknowledging all of those and understanding what those mean to different people. And then in academia, you were talking about the parallels between the two, Uh, especially in social work. Like a lot of stuff we talk about isn't really new to me uh, because of my background, because of my parents and what we talked about growing up and the work that they did. So knowing the limits of education and like emotional labor and understanding what that looks like in the U.S. as a student in higher education, you know, at a predominantly white institution, you know, where's the line there? But even I faced that when I was teaching English in Spain with my own students and I was the teacher and I was the first, you know, Black American teacher they had ever met, probably one of the few Black people they had ever met because I was in a smaller Spanish town and knowing the limits there between educating them on black culture and using black culture as a tool uh in the classroom but also where the line should be drawn to the point where i was doing emotional labor so there have been parallels and i could talk on and on about that but uh but yeah no it's definitely been it definitely developed who i am as a person and how i talk about race and what that looks like in the work that i do in the u.s and abroad I love that you, I believe it's in your media kit. Mm-hmm. Traveling doesn't always mean your job or being a digital yeah. nomad. When you do yeah. go abroad, explore where you are. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, like, how how do you explore a place? How, how does Sojourner specifically explore a place when you just arrive? Well, Sojourner explores through food first. I think <laughs> is the easiest way to explore a place especially when you first arrive you're tired you just want to relax um so I I find the nearest I I go down to whether I'm saying most likely a hostel uh, because you know student budget budget traveler 
Uh, I go down and I ask them where's a good place to go for food. They give me recommendations. I pick a spot. I ask the person when I get there, what's a dish you recommend? I don't eat meat. I'm a pescatarian. So I let them know that. And that's kind of my first early introduction. But I do use tools like Pinterest, which is a hidden gem of, like, I think it's better than a Google search engine sometimes because it's so concentrated on what you want to look for. So I do look up recommendations here and there. But other times I just walk around uh, just to explore and see what's there. It's the best part. It's the best way to get to know any place you go to is just to start walking and people watching and find a bench and sit down and just look and see what's going on. Uh, I'm all, I also like to look around and see what kind of posters are being hung up for different events or concerts and, uh, and anything really. So there really isn't just a one way that I like to explore a place. It's a combination mm-hmm. of different resources. And I just kind of see which one works, which one fits. And I, put, I save all my recommendations on Google Maps, which if you do not use Google Maps app, you are missing out is my mm-hmm. favorite app uh, for traveling. I start everything and I'll make a list of places and I'll just pick a pick a spot and see if I like it or not. And you know, and we'll see what happens. And hopefully I can meet someone who, you know, whether it's like a local or someone in the area who can tell me more about the area or I'll go take a tour as well. So it's a combination of of different different mediums to explore. You also like to use Instagram and TripAdvisor. Yes, I do. Instagram is also really great it's for finding food spots. Uh, because if people like the food, they're going to Instagram it. So uh, definitely using their places and like the hashtags to see what people are doing in cities is, is also pretty cool. So tell me like with everything that you have going on, what are some of your self-care practices? Mm -mm, I love to say no. I think saying no to things is, a form of self-care when you when you know you you're reaching your your boundaries because uh, being in school you kind of want to do everything and people will ask you to do a lot of things but telling people no is a form of advocating for yourself saying no I don't have the time no I don't think I can balance and being honest when it comes to that and you know saying this is where I'm at this is how much I can handle and I'm at that at that point, I need to take a step back and being very vocal about that um, is one way. But I also believe in sleep. I know people think grad students pull all-nighters like they do in undergrad. I've never pulled an all-nighter in any of my educational experiences. I believe in sleep. Um, I am not the person to be up all night. If it's not done by midnight, it's probably not going to get done. But I never let myself get to that point because I'm also a planner. So I'm also one of those people. I guess they they say we're type A. I just think we like to know, you know, how our days are going to go. But I do have like a passion planner. I don't know if you're familiar with. <laughs> with Someone has with, feelings about the labels. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> we're, we're type A. We just like to, you know, have, like to be organized. So, you know, that that helps me, you know, get more sleep at night, you know know my boundaries. I can literally look down at my planner and say, oh, I'm booked and busy, like too booked and busy. I need to, I need to take a step back. So those are a few ways. And then I also am a runner. So I ran my first half marathon last or this past April. Uh, So working out is also a big form of self-care for me. And I write it in my schedule and I block off that time because it's, it's, it helps me um, balance my work and, you know, blogging and all these other things that I'm doing, but it's like one hour or so of my, of my day where I don't really have to think I can just listen to music or a podcast and run or do whatever I want for exercise. Are, do you find any of these, uh, self-care practices particularly grounding, like helping to keep you centered? Uh, actually the one that I didn't mention is probably the one that keeps me the most grounded, which is journaling. Mm. Uh, 
journaling keeps me the most grounded because I think I have at this point at least five or six full journals um, that I've hold that I've held on to in like adulthood, like so post high school um, that I've held on held on to. But I think that's the one that always keeps me the most grounded because writing stuff down is definitely more like a release. Uh, and it's a difference between me journaling and me planning and like my passion planner, like that's more structured, but journaling is just more of me writing freely, not really writing to make a blog post out of it, not really writing in a tweet or Instagram caption. It's just me. Uh, so that's probably, uh, the most grounding thing that I do. Do you have any hobbies or interests that aren't necessarily for money-making or for grad school? Yeah, so I would say for me, like, running is, like, one of my hobbies just because I like it a lot. Um, but I'm also, I'm a grad student. I like to binge-watch Netflix, <laughs> like, in Hulu, <laughs> like anybody else. Um I like to listen to non-academic podcasts, you know, more fun, lighthearted things, um, reading for fun, which I don't really get that much of in grad school. Hopefully when I graduate, I have more time again and journaling something I do for fun. I do like going like exploring because I don't always explore to write about it. Sometimes I just explore just for the heck of it with my friends. So just hanging out with friends in a non you know, very chill. Like I don't have to doc. I don't feel like I have to document everything. Right, I think right. one it's about being in the blogging space is that you feel you have to document every single part of your day to have content to post. But some days, like I'll go weeks without posting, like on Insta Story, and it's fine because I'm doing other things. So, um, not documenting stuff is actually a hobby because I get so caught up in wanting to share everything, and because I am a very open person that. Um, that taking that time and just hanging out with my friends and watching movies, you know, is, is enough for me. How have your commitments between travel and study, how have they impacted your relationships with your friends? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, it's funny now because I'm like the friend that's like, everyone knows they're going to get a good photo. Um, and so I'm like the little, I'm like the photographer friend, which is pretty funny and pretty cool just cause I like, I like seeing, I like seeing other people happy. I don't know people who don't like not seeing other people happy, but, uh, seeing a person's face when I like take photos of my friends is really funny. Um, now and they post it and they're like, am I a blogger now? So it's kind of the title I've gotten, uh, in my friend group, but it hasn't really impacted them a whole lot because I'm still me I'm just me with the blog um and you know and we just we still hang out like it's normal I think it has impacted my friendships abroad as far as I'm able to connect with people in different countries in a way that I wasn't so um I have my best friends you know since I've since middle school and college that I'm always around but through blogging I've able been able to build other friendships in other countries for people who I've never met before, um, we've just co-written and collaborated on different blog posts. I just met up with a few bloggers when I was in London, which was pretty cool um, to meet them in person. And that's a different form of friendship than the ones that I have on a daily basis. But I think I think blogging and traveling has impacted what I define as friendship and how that is so different based on based on the friend, really. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So, so sometimes the people in our lives get jealous mm-hmm. and they're stuck and don't mm-hmm. know what to do and they're not in a place to support us. But it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that's your experience. No, it's really, it's really not. Um, I have had a lot of friends who have built out their own blogs Um not necessarily to the like make them full blown travel blogs like I have, but have found their own like through our conversations and how I talk about writing as a form of self care and you know release and how they've kind of taken that up to th- taken that up too and that's actually worked for them. But it's not really a point of a point of contention in any 
of my friendships um, that I know of, you know, at least. Uh, and from I'm, I'm pretty open with all of my friendships and just, you know, holding space for people when it's necessary. But it's not really because we're all so different. We all have our own things. And we do have conversations about because we also are all still human. So we, you know, there are times where you definitely compare yourself to other folks on social media. Like that's that's like a hazard of having social media is seeing what, what people do. So we definitely have conversations around that. But it's not in the context of I can't support you because I'm feeling a certain type of way because we all know, you know, we're all individuals and have our own path. But I would be lying if I say we don't have conversations about how social media can be a toxic place and how sometimes the things that we do or post definitely affects how we view ourselves and other people. And so you said that... Um the range of friendships that you've been able to create, being who you are, expressing yourself as you are, mm-hmm. it has uh, helped you to, I guess, maybe broaden the term, if that's fair, of yeah. what friendship is. Mm-hmm. So so do you feel more connected with these different kinds of friendships? Yeah, they all, it's fascinating. They all, they all function in similar ways, but I was telling... Um, Brianna, who is her, her Instagram is Bri Yumi Travel, and she has a really cool, um, uh, luxury type travel planning business called Yumi Travel Company. And me and her were talking about like how we had never met before, like two weeks ago, uh, but we had been following each other on Instagram for about two years, and it was like an instant, you know black girl hangout like it was it was it didn't need extra work we clicked automatically in person just as we did online so it's definitely shown me that you don't that how like how social media can really connect people who I would have never met her without social media you know she's from Baltimore I'm from Milwaukee she lives in London now I'm in St. Louis you know we just happened to cross paths on social media so it's definitely broadened what I think a friendship could look like um and that friendship you know is different from my best friends who I've known for years you know and how we talk about things but it's yeah, it's definitely shown me the variety in friendship and how it's really not one definition. Because I don't talk to my best friends every single day, but they're still my best friends. You know, I don't talk to child, other child bloggers every single day, but I still consider them friends. So it's a very gray area of friendship that I've just kind of filled in with all these colorful connections. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about... Um teaching in Spain that's when you got your Fulbright scholarship yes so you were teaching English in Spain for a little bit so you you were talking about navigating being a black person in that space Mm -hmm. and then you talked a little bit about being in the states overall what would you say your experience has been um I know uh there was one post where you said I don't remember exactly what you said, but you alluded to the fact that it's not always going to be a desirable experience. Sometimes yeah. it's be uncomfortable, but that shouldn't stop you from exploring these spaces. Yeah. You know, I think it, it made me, it made me embrace discomfort. Um, and because no one likes, I don't think anybody generally likes being uncomfortable, but we shouldn't avoid it either. Uh, and that second time, so I studied abroad in Spain first in Granada and I think studying abroad in the country and living abroad in a country are two very different things and doing that in the same country, but on opposite sides. So I was in Longronio, which is in, which is in Northern Spain, which is the complete opposite side of, uh, complete opposite side of Spain from Granada. And it was two different experiences because I was living there. I had to find an apartment, apply for, you know, residency, go grocery shopping. I didn't have a host mom this time. And I think all of those changes definitely can can either really build you up or test you and perhaps knock you down at times. So that experience, whether studying abroad or living abroad, like those really got me 
comfortable in discomfort and not really knowing what I'm doing or not really understanding, you know, cultural differences at times, but knowing that this is an experience, this is something that I shouldn't take lightly and I'm going to give it all that I can. Um, and it was definitely hard at times. There are times where I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, I'm finished. Thanks. Yeah, you know, Check, I, please. I'm <laughs> done being stared at on the bus now. You know, so there were definitely times, you know, I don't I don't sugarcoat uh my time abroad, but there are also really amazing times of going on wine tastings for like twelve dollars and just drinking spent like the best wine I've ever had in my entire life. You yeah, know, in life. <laughs> my entire life. Like I don't think anybody understands my obsession with Spanish wine. Like it is it is legit an obsession. So, uh, so, so yeah, they got me comfortable in discomfort, but also finding the joy in, in, you know, being in a different country and experiencing, you know, a different way of life. That is something uh, that I wasn't accustomed to. Have there been any like challenges, any specific challenges that you've had to face through the years? Through the years of just traveling as a black woman or just in, just in your life because it seems like travel has been a part of that and your um studies have also been a part of that so just like in your experience in general i think one of, of mm-hmm. yeah i think one of the biggest things i realized actually after this summer in berlin um that came up a little bit when i was teaching English in Spain. So for when I was gone for a year, uh, loneliness abroad is a thing. Uh, and even if you have people around you, you can still feel very, very alone in a place. And even if you're in the most beautiful country in the world, you know, wherever that is to you or experiencing some of the coolest things, um, that you can, you can still feel very alone. So I think that's one thing that I've started to realize and I haven't fully thought through yet, but mm-hmm. that I found that when I was feeling, you know, super uncomfortable um, or not so happy when I was abroad or even when I was at home, you know, when I first moved to St. Louis, you know, building up, building up a new community is a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of work to build up new connections and new friend groups and, you know, and bouncing back and forth has taken, I think, a slight toll on me personally um, and how I have to exert a lot of energy to make the most of an experience. And sometimes that's really tiring. Um, And so I've been trying to figure out how I can balance that better as I look forward to probably most likely you know, moving after graduation, um, since I do have international concentration, the idea is that I would go abroad again, but seeing how I can combat that, those feelings of loneliness in different ways I can build community when I go to different places, I think is one of the biggest challenges I've, I faced throughout my travels. And that's really important because you you talk about the connections and the friends that you've been able to make. And even with that, even with a strong support system back home, I think Mm -hmm. that it is something that affects people no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, because even with the friendships you make, like I've made a lot of friendships via programs, but even those are fast friendships. You know, You, you don't really know each other fully. You know each other based on proximity. And so navigating those is great when you are traveling together but there are those times where we're all we were all I remember and we were in Spain we were all feeling you know because we actually were in Spain right after the November 2016 election um so how those external factors affect how you move through the world and how you interact with people that's a lot of that's a lot of stress on top of moving to a different country and so definitely navigating all of those friendships and um, personalities was, was a lot. And it continues to be something as I go from place to place that I'm more mindful of. And mm-hmm. cause, because you never know where people are coming from is, is the, 
is the main point that I've taken away from it. Mm-hmm. So true. Are there any, you said that you like to listen to music when you run um, and you're, you, I think you're an avid reader uh, uh, outside of the academic world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but a question I like to ask is, are there any song lyrics and poems speak to you these days? Oh my gosh. So I actually have a playlist that's grad school year one and grad school year two that I'm looking at right now. I'm trying to think of what songs got me through. Um, um, oh gosh. Song lyrics or songs in general? Um, it could be lyrics or, or the entire song. Um, oh, that's a hard one. Oh, well, I would say the one that currently that I'm thinking of, of course, Brown Skin Girl. The minute that dropped this summer, I've been planning on repeat um, <laughs> uh, for weeks. I would say that's probably the song that is most most in my in my head. But I don't know if you're familiar with Chloe and Hallie. Um, they're yes. two. Yes. So I love them and their song grown from their so grownish <laughs> is something I play quite often even their song the kids are all right because I'm kind of in that awkward 20 something stage where like I want to go home and be up under my mom but also I want this independence of being a grown adult and so I <laughs> so those two are also uh, two songs that I think I listen to quite a bit because you know those times where I'm feeling homesick I put on um the kids are right. You know, I'm be I'm to remind myself I'm gonna be okay. Uh, and then I have the song "Grownish" or "Grown" from "Grownish" uh, to remind myself of my independence. So it's a mix. It's a it's mix. Like I'm an adult now. Cuddle me. Yes. <laughs> I'm like I'm an adult, but I still want my mom to like scratch my scalp at night. Like I still like I still want like to rem- to rem- my bath water. You know, <laughs> there are still little things that I'm like, where's my mom? but she can still do these things i'm an adult because i choose to have her do them because i need her to do them right 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 but yeah i I love chloe and hallie so i would say as an artist them and then a few of their songs are probably my favorites that's really dope i love that so grown and the kids are all right yeah those are like my two state of mind so you you talked about um, being in Spain and you said going going to school in a country and living in a country two different things. So what what is your preferred travel style? So like best case scenario, do you like to like have a home base and explore from there? Do you like to live in a place for a month or longer? Are you a quick traveler? Yeah, I would say so. Being in Berlin, I was in Berlin from mid-May up until last week. Um, so I would say that's not enough time. I would, I think I've, I would say minimum in a place like six months is like a good, it's like a good enough time to be somewhere. But the thing I liked about teaching abroad was that I could travel and still come back to an apartment. I could travel and still come have a routine. So ideally combining work and travel where I do have a home base um, and I can come back to it once I'm done doing whatever my work requires me to do is probably my ideal travel style. Uh, And at this point, that home base, I would like to post-graduation be abroad um, just so I can have the time to explore different areas of the world. But I do like having a home base. I'm not a backpacker. Mm-hmm. I would rather not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to pack like I, I try. I really, I really do. And I'm I'm getting better and I'm better than some of my friends who I've traveled with, but um but yeah, no, it's I, I like I like having the home base and then traveling and then coming back to that home base and having a routine, you know, during the week or something. I I I really prefer that. And one last thing, can you please share with us, Sojourner, how can listeners support your work 
So where do you want them to connect with you? Yes, you can connect with me on Instagram at the T-H-E Sojourneys, which is S-O-J-O-U-R-N-I-E-S. I'm on Twitter too, which if you want to have like a conversation, I do like, I'm trying to get my Twitter game up because it is a struggle to constantly engage on multiple platforms. But yeah, yes, I'm on Twitter um, at Sojourneys. And then um, honestly, people can, I don't have a revenue stream or a financial way right now. Um, It's coming uh, on, on my blog, but like sharing, retweeting, Word of mouth is the best form of marketing. So just sharing anything that you see, any content that you see um, is is the best way to support just to get more of my work out there. Because I do love to write um, and do long form blog posts and whatnot. So, so yeah, so journeys.com also has all of my social media. Okay, so I will link those places in the show notes. Um, and make sure to mention that people can share your work as a means to help get more eyes on it. <laughs> yes, that's the goal. That's the goal. Well, thank you so very much, Sojourner, for sharing so much of yourself. It was really dope talking to you. Thanks for reaching out. Sojourner reached out to me on Twitter and she was <laughs> like, this is who I am. This is why you should care. And when can I schedule? And I was like, well, all right. Remember, advocate for yourself in more ways than one. Yes. <laughs> Wish you the best in your studies. May soon cometh. <laughs> May, May. <laughs> thank you. To connecting more. Yes, thank you. Thank you. All right, have a good night. You too. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Barum, ah, um, barum.